So glad you're a Bible-bringing bunch of people. Turn your Bible to Hebrews 12. Once again, we've been in this chapter. And you're, you're familiar with some of this, and we'll review perhaps just a little. And the context of um, this, this chapter, begin, our, our focus will be on verses 12 and 13, but the focus, uh, the context of these verses is still the race mentioned in verse 1. And that race is your personal journey of trusting and obeying the Lord that begins at conversion and ends when you, when you enter glory. The chastening that's mentioned in verse 5, in verse 6, in verse 7, verse 8, verse 9, it says corrected, but it's the same word in a, in a verb form. Chastening mentioned in chapter, or, or verse 10, verse 11, and it's always talking about God's, God your Father's training of you. Uh, his ultimate purpose of that training is mentioned in verse 10. Look at that. We looked at it last week. That we might be partakers of his holiness. So this is talking about ch true children of God, sons and daughters. Verse 5, sons. Verse 5 again, sons. Verse 6, sons. Verse 7, sons. Verse 8, sons. They can't miss what the emphasis there. God has sons and daughters, and you are them if you receive Christ. And the chastening mentioned all through there repeatedly is about his training of you and the ultimate purpose that you would be partakers of his holiness. The chastening is sometimes administered for wrongdoing, as in some of the passages, for instance, with Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, some of those people were weak and sickly because of flagrant disobedience, and they were chastened in that way. Often, the word chastening here um, is, is not referring to uh, God's dealings with people for wrongdoing. In fact, quite the opposite. Christ himself learned obedience through the things he suffered. That was his chastening, his training. God trained him. That's a mystery, isn't it? From uh, a father training the son, the son, the sinless son, and yet he had to grow and ripen in his obedience, in his holy living. Well, um, this passage that we're going to read takes in all the circumstances of your life. But it focuses primarily on the depleting difficulties that cause you to become weary, cause you to become discouraged. For instance, look at verse 3 and 4. Consider Jesus, look to Jesus, familiarize yourself with, with his life, lest you become weary 
and discouraged in your souls and your version might read it slightly different, faint in your minds. That's the subject. That's the theme. It's true children of God. You can see that's the subject. And training is the subject. You can see that. And in this particular case, what's being discussed, as you just read again in Psalm 73, is a saintly person, new creature, who's weary, fainting, uh, um, tired, and he or she is in this condition because of the training that God, their father, brought to them very, very personally. You have a God who deals with you very personally, and the subject, the passage we look at have to do uh, with the depleting difficulties. You're reading there about a person in a depleted condition, verses 3 and 4 and following. And uh, these, the, the tendency, the temptation is to become weary, discouraged, faint in your minds. It is true that Christ has finished the faith and gives the gift of salvation freely, not according to his work, our works, but according to his mercy, he saved us uh, quite apart from any performance of good works on our part. But as you and I and other believers are faithful to the finished work and seek to be, follow the, accept the training, become partakers, run the race, the fact is that our salvation begins to cost us much. Salvation will cost you much. Being faithful to the finished work will cost you very much. The costly, and I would say already this morning, if you reflect on your life this past week, this past month, this past year, this series of years, the costly circumstances that now surround you are, this passage says, God's providential discipline for you, his child training for you. God is not the author or approver of sin, but by the time it gets to you, it's his means of exercising you. That includes the whole social environment you live in. That includes your particular circumstances. You should lightly regard second causes. Make large what's occurring in your life since what is occurring in your life this morning in all the various circumstances it is divine discipline. It is God's child training of you. But God's training of you and God's training of me only works well if we receive it well. So our sermon this morning is receiving divine discipline. Uh, we'll read the beginning of chapter. Our, our focus will just be on verses 12 and 13, but we'll begin at verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, 
let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us looking unto Jesus the author and finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. You have not yet resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. And you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as to sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him for whom the Lord loves he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, of which all have become partakers, then are you illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have had human fathers who corrected us, and we paid them respect. Shall we not much more readily be in subjection to the Father of spirits and live? For they indeed, for a few days, chastened us as seemed best to them. But he, for our profit, that we might be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but grievous. Nevertheless, afterwards, it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. New section. Therefore, Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but, be, but rather be healed. Well, look at verse 12 and this verse could be summarized this way. Take heed to your spirit. That's what he's saying to you. When he says, therefore, you, this is a command to you. Strengthen the hands. This would be your hands, and also it would include other people around you as you perceive their hands needing to be strengthened. Strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees. Take heed to your spirit. Now, the hanging hands, the feeble knees... And verse 13, the lame are bodily illustrations of the inner spirit of a runner. So in, in question here is not telling you to go to the gym and do push-ups or sit-ups or something like that. That's not the point. The hanging hands, the feeble knees, and the lame feet are bodily illustrations of a runner. And they illustrate the inner spirit of a spiritual runner. That is, you and I, as spiritual runners, we are experiencing depleting difficulties that are causing us to be weary, causing us to be discouraged and perhaps at have fainting fits in our mind. What are we 
what we are to focus on is, is again, is not physical hands, knees, and, and lame feet. That, that's not the point. The point here is to take heed to your spirit. The body is just an illustration there. And the command to strengthen the hands, knees, and feet uh, uh, are ad addressed to a spiritual runner as it corresponds to the beginning of the chapter. You can see in verse four, we're, verses 1 to 4 where we're told to run the race set before us. And you are to take heed. Notice what it says back there in verse um, 3, at the end of verse 3. Lest, while you're running this race, as a child of God, under the training of God, that is the whole subject of this, be sure, make, take heed to your spirit that you don't become weary and discouraged and faint in the midst of this. How do, this is a command to you. Look at verse 12. Strengthen the hands. Now, how do you do that? This is how you do it. The way you strengthen your spirit as a runner is to listen to God. Listen to God. God talks to you about this, the whole matter before you, your race, receiving his correction, running the race, coming to the end. As in, in, in chapter 11, as well as other places, God talks to you. Listen to him. Okay, this is how you strengthen yourself. And he told them that this section begins at the end of verse 10, and he said, now you need endurance. You need to remember how you started, and you need to remember your forebears, starting with Abel, uh, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Sarah, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Samson, and time. So he says, okay, I'm, I set those before you with this in mind. If you will listen to God... Come, read those verses, read about those stories, ponder them. Give yourself time to listen to God about those particular ones as well as others. Those are the ones in context. Look here. You will be strengthened. If you don't, if you do not listen to God in order to strengthen yourself, you won't be strengthened. And you will be more and more and more depleted with all the consequences that come to a depleted soul. Take heed to your spirit. Listen to those, the messages of the lives set before you in Hebrews 11. Understand and believe what you read. A lot of those are narrative forms. You can understand them perfectly well. Noah, Cain, Abel, Moses. Narrative form, you understand. Read them. Think about it. And that is how you'll strengthen your spirit. It is limited to that, but that's the immediate context. That is how, when he's talking about hands that hang down, Knees that are weak, feet that are lame. 
that corresponds to the present condition of a spiritual runner who is being trained by God and there are no accidents in that person's life. They have received a free salvation and it is free to receive, to live it out costs everything. Listen to, how do you strengthen yourself? Is, is this verse 12, you could summarize it this way. What he's telling you there is to take heed to your spirit. And it is commanded by you now what, what you should do. You should strengthen yourself. How do you do that? Say it together. We listen to who? We li that's how you strengthen yourself. Okay. And if you don't listen to them, then you're not going to be strengthened. It's that simple. Number one, we're considering this morning receiving divine discipline. Rightly receiving divine discipline. Number one, take heed to your spirit. Expect the road, the running, to be like a race. To be like a wrestler. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. Wrestle. I fought the good fight. Well, you're in the good fight too. And you can't do that merely passively. Number two. Take heed to your choices. Look please at verse 13. The subject again is you, a true child of God. You have a father who loves you, called you, and loves you too well to allow you to be lazy and sloppy and unholy. That'll never do. Not in his family. So he's going to train you. And you need to, number one, take heed to your spirit as you say, This is depleting. Right. That, that probably means you're exactly where you need to be. It doesn't mean you're... Number two, take heed to your choices. In verse three, look at, excuse me, verse 13. Notice that, that little clause at the beginning. Make straight paths. Now that's addressed to you. It's something for you to do. And that is a command. What it means is to walk uprightly in paths of obedience. And this command, look at it again, make straight paths for your feet. Okay? So he's giving you a command here to take responsibility for the situation he has put you in. He is administering. And he's telling you here, so when it says make straight paths, you're making choices about walking uprightly in paths of obedience. And it is directed at the choices you make, look here, in the chastised condition you find yourself in. This doesn't mean you are being chastised because you're disobedient. Probably it means the exact 
opposite. It means you are following. He is your father. You sense these things. You've begun well. And now you're... So ponder this. What kind of decisions do people tend to make when they are weary? Any of you been weary this week? What kind of decisions do people make when they're faint? I mean, they're depleted. <laughs> what kind of decisions do people make when they're discouraged? with their progress, when they themselves, like many of you would say, I should be way farther along. How many think you should probably be way farther along? How many of you have been Christians for more than 30 years? Raise your hand. Okay, I've, been, I've been a Christian for, I think, 47 years. I think I should be farther along than I am. And I'll just tell you, you probably should be farther along than you are. So back to the question. Number one, take heed to your choices. Listen to God. Uh, take heed to your spirit. Listen to God. Number two, take heed to your choices. Now I'm going to ask you, try to follow this. What kind of choices do people tend to make when they're depleted, weary, put some, have really put some real genuine thought and effort into a thing, and they seem to be making hardly any progress, and even going backwards. Now, okay, number two here, take heed to your choices. What kind of choices do those people tend to make? All right, that, that depends. Some of you have taken training for music. Some will perhaps take military training. Some have taken athletic training. Some have taken other kinds of training. Now, if you have confidence in your piano teacher, if you have confidence in your drill instructor or your athletic coach, you will probably choose, and this is, you can see, right, this is an athletic illustration. We're thinking, so here's a person who's in a race has chosen to be in this race. I know he's been chosen and he's also chosen. So he's in the race. And the race is wearing him out. Races always wear people out. Wrestling always wears people out. A military life at war will drain you. Okay, now, what kind of choices, this, this is telling you and I, and believers everywhere, to take heed to the choices you make. And now, if, what kind of choices will they make? Well, if you have confidence in your piano teacher, your drill instructor, your athletic coach, or whoever else is teaching you some, some uh, worthwhile discipline, some worthwhile course of learning, some really good school you've been enrolled at, and I'm in a really good school. And it's not a diploma bill. When you come out of this school, you know something. Okay. You, those people with confidence 
And the, and the trainer will say, you know, this is pretty rough. <laughs> this curriculum had more in it than I thought. But I'm going to stay with the training because it's worth it, and my trainer knows how to train people like me. Piano teachers stretch their students. Drill instructors exhaust their recruits. Athletic coaches, look here, deplete their athletes in practice if their athletes are any good. Do you follow that? The athletic coaches, this is an athletic illustration. The coach in this one is God your father. He's designed the exercise routine. Verse 7 says, no. no. What he's doing in your whole life, there are no accidents, folks. And he says, now, if you will receive it, it will profit you if you're exercised by it. That is, you say, okay, I'm listening. Okay, I'm going. I, I'm listening. Are you listening? Does Hebrews 11 shake your thinking? If it isn't, you can't be that surprised that, that you're not being replenished. That's what it's there for. God's training depletes us. Look at verse 11. Seemeth to be grievous. Again, this isn't talking about somebody who's coming to the Lord's Supper drunk. Okay? Those people, that's in Corinthians these are people who said, you ran well. You were rejoicing at the spoiling of your goods, and we read that in, verse, in chapter 10. And the race has continued. The match has continued. The course has continued. The, the pieces that were assigned to play now are much harder than the ones we began with. And he says, take heed to your spirit, Strengthen your spirit by listening to me, and then be careful about the choices you make. See, because people, when they're strained in the, in the match, in the fight, in the curriculum, they say, you know, a lot of them say, not worth it. Joyce says she's hardly met anyone who said, of the many, 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 many girls she's met, who said, um, I used to play piano. None of them who, she's yet to meet one who says, I'm glad I quit taking lessons. Right? They all said, you know, I wish I would have continued. I would really like to be able to play piano about right about now, but I, and maybe there's some out there, but you get the point. God's training depletes us. So if you're depleted, if you're weary, that doesn't mean you're out of God's will. You're in a race. Who sent Joseph to Egypt? That's a grievous trip to Egypt, wasn't it? 17 year old? Joy was 17 when she went to Tennessee Temple. Well, that's a lot easier than Joseph being 17 sent to Egypt the way he got there. Now I want to ask you a question. 
who sent Joseph to Egypt? His brothers. His brothers? That's, that's part of the question, but it's not the main question. No. He, God sent me here. And you need to be familiar with that. Toward the end of Genesis, he said, you meant it for evil, and they did mean it for evil. Like the, some of the circumstances you're going to have this week, there are people who mean evil to you. There are people taking over our country. Are you listening? They mean evil to you. By the time it gets to me, God is not approving of that. But by the time it gets to me, it's God's training for me. I'm appointed, you're appointed to be alive today, February 2024, with the government we have. That's part of God's training for you. Do you believe that? It, that's what the passage is saying. And how you receive this makes a big difference. You need to take heed to your spirit. When our spirits are extended, stretched, it is then that our decision-making can become really risky and really faulty, right? God's training depletes us. Who sent Joseph? Joseph said, God sent me here. God sent me here. God sent me here to save much people alive. I wouldn't have done it that way. Well, you're not God. I wouldn't have done it that way either, but that's how God did it. And look here, that's how God is doing it. Listen to 1 Samuel 1.5. And here is godly Hannah. Hannah had a husband who loved her, although the Lord had closed her womb. So it was year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, her adversary, the other wife, provoked her. Therefore, she wept and did not eat. And she was in bitterness of soul. And this is as godly as a woman as existed in Israel at the time. Take heed to your choices. She chose to go to the pour out her soul to the Lord and said, and you can read her prayers. First, first Samuel, and might strengthen you. It says year after year. And she said, she vowed a vow and said, if you will give me a son, he's going to be a Nazarite. And she had a famous son named Samuel who was a Nazarite. What does God our Father's training do to us? What are the effects? How are we tempted? Look at that. He's described to you as a race. He's described it as training. And he says the possibility and the likelihood is that you're going to forget the, that 
God trains all his sons and daughters. Now, that we don't all have the same spots. We don't get all the exact same training, but we are all trained. And there is probably no one here who isn't yet or will be uh, trained in such a way that you're depleted. And you're tested there to say, so what are you going to do now? Well, um, here's what to do. Look at your Bible. Look at verse 13. Make straight paths. That's a command. It says, now, now don't make a wrong choice. He's telling you there about your choices. In a, in a depleted frame of mind, if you don't, if you're not, don't guard your spirit, then you're probably going to make a bad choice. Verse 12 says, take heed to your spirit. Verse 13 says, take heed to your choices. Make straight paths. That's a command from Proverbs 4.26. Ponder the path of your feet. Let all your ways be established. For example, let's just look over to Hebrews chapter 11. That's the passage. Let's just look there momentarily. Look please at Hebrews 11, verse 24 and 25. By faith. Are you a believer? you're, You're in step. By faith, Moses, when he became of age. So this is, mid, this is some lapse into the race. Refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He made a choice. Uh, he said, take heed to your choices. And Moses said, his choices, I'm going to choose to suffer affliction with the people of God, rather than enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. Now that's the same thing that that, that you're going to be faced with in your race. You're going to say, I'm old enough to make my own decisions now. Right. Make sure they're good ones. Make sure you're plugged in and you are listening to God as you make decisions and you deserve, you, you think of this age as he thinks of this age. There's a lot of people, good Christian people, true believers who made a real start. And the Lord thy God proveth you whether you love him or not. And say, you can get off here if you want to. And then he said, that's it. I'm out of here. I want to be careful on that. Some of these people, some of the... Some of these trainings have been very difficult. Yours may be very difficult. Try and remember that. There's difficult cases there. They're in there for you to listen to. He chose. Look, let's look again. Look at Hebrews 11:34. Here's some people who made a choice, uh, quenched the violence of fire. Hebrews 11.34, probably talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, uh, the, the three Hebrews. And they made a choice, didn't they? They had choices. I mean, the pressure was on. Talk about pressure in a race. That's, I would call that pressure. And Nebuchadnezzar played the, struck up the band and Spoke nicely to them. Now, you guys wanted to, you can work here, you got benefits. They had choices to make, didn't they? 
when it says make straight paths, that's something you do, you're responsible to do, and he, it's talking about the choices you make. When you're under pressure, when you're depleted, when you're being trained, you're going to be trained. How about this one? You don't have to turn to it. Here is Jeremiah. Make, you know, make, he said, make straight paths for your feet. Walk uprightly, trusting and obeying. All right, what do you think of this one? <clears throat> o Lord, thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. I am in derision daily. Everyone mocks me, for since I spoke, I cried out, I cried violence and plunder. The word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then, see, he's in the race. He's depleted. He's wearied. Then I said, here's his choice. Be careful about your choices. Then Jeremiah said, my choice, I will not make mention of him nor speak in his name anymore. Now, do you fault him? He is to be faulted, but we sympathize and say, wow. Well, take heed to your choices. Keep in the path of God's will. How about this choice? Here's, a here's people who are under training. Genesis 16.2. You don't have to turn to it. So Sarai said to Abraham, so Sarai said to Abram, that they're in process. That's their names. He's going to change their names when they complete more of their training. They get new names. But they haven't completed their training, and their training is pretty rough. Okay, take heed to your choices. Now, what do you think about this choice? Genesis 16.2. So Sarah said to Abram, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram obeyed the voice of Sarai. Okay. In Hebrews 12.13. The command to make straight paths for your feet is a command not to give up the race, but to stay on course. That's what that is. Stay on course. Though you are being trained. Now, that's depleting training, wouldn't you say? I mean, you think oh, I've made a mistake. You just put these people through way too much. No, it's us who have, who have underestimated things. We are tend to be the, 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 the gripey children. Do this now. Do this. Pastor Minnick said in his comments on this passage, which were very helpful, do not set yourself up for a fall by imagining for yourself an idyllic Christian life. That's the health, wealth, and prosperity people. 
the miracle in your mouth, just keep confessing it soon. You'll have the pool and you'll have the Mercedes and you'll have the house at the next end and so on like that. Just keep confessing, keep confessing, keep confessing. No, no, no. no. Take heed to your spirit. Consider him who endured such a contradiction against himself. You know, our Lord Jesus Christ is a sensitive human being. Normal human beings are sensitive. And when they said, you're, a, you're possessed with demons and you work by Beelzebub, that cut him to the quick. Do you expect anybody's going to cut you to the quick when you're doing your best that you know how to do? That's part of your training. That's part of my training. We come to the last thing. Back to Hebrews 12. Take heed, he said, to your spirit. You're going to be depleted. And now, now don't faint and give up and be. No, don't do that. Don't, don't be like the people and the, the idolaters. Don't, don't do that. Now, be careful with your choices, especially when you're depleted, especially when the cost is rising, and then you're going to be tempted. I mean, it is it's a finished faith, but being faithful to the finished faith is going to cost you. It's going to cost you everything, actually. Well, we come to the last thing. Take heed to your understanding of healing. So look with me, please, at the end of Hebrews 12 and verse number 12. And he says, now strengthen your hands, that is, listen to God, and you'll be enabled to, to, to continue the race as you listen to him. I'm not going to drop you, but he's not going to cushion you all the way. God sent Joseph to Egypt, and he didn't send him with a cushioned and air-conditioned ride. And you're not going to have that either, and don't expect that. Well, take, him, take heed to your understanding of healing. So, see uh, the end of verse 13 it is? I might have said 12, but end of verse 13. Hebrews 12, 13, the last word there is healed. But let it rather be healed. Healed here doesn't necessarily mean that your circumstances have changed. Your circumstances may change and probably will. But it means... And you, it, uh, your mind is saying amen to the Lord, to your present circumstances, to whatever strength he's going to give you, whatever direction. He says, Lord, what? I'm just going to say amen to you, uh, and I trust it's you, and I've, if I got here in the wrong way, I want to change that. If I, then it's right to do those things. And say, now, how did I get here? Did, but healed here doesn't necessarily mean the changing of your circumstances. He means, notice what it says there in verse 13, um, make straight paths. That means stay on a course. Don't get off the course. Stay on the right path. And make, and it really includes helping people behind you. As you stay on course, you're going to help other people stay on course. Your, your own personal obedience matters probably way more than you think. Stay on course. Make straight paths. So that, this is what will happen if you stay on course, that, the, that what is lame, what is weak, depleted, 
may not get worse, may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. So dislocated means turned out of the way, means not being faithful to the finished faith, not drawing near, not holding fast, not letting love continue. That would be turned out of the way, giving up the race. I'm not holding fast to this anymore. This brought me so many troubles. We know we would need to hold fast. Draw near. You have to draw near. Draw near, hold fast, keep provoking in love. Don't let love die in your heart, though that will be greatly attacked. All right, real quickly, in conclusion, look with me at uh, Hebrews 12, uh, excuse me, Hebrews 11, verses 11 12. Well, Sarah got off track, didn't she? That's not a good choice. That's in there for you to look at. That's, in, that's there for you to say, now that is clearly a divinely made couple, and they are very important in redemption, and they were being trained, and they were under pressure, and they made a wrong choice. Does that end the race for them? Look at Hebrews 11 and verse 11 and 12. So here's Sarah again, by faith. So Sarah, as married to Abram, when she heard Sarah about this time next year is going to embrace a child, she, what, what was her response? Does anybody remember? She laughed. And Isaac's name means laughter. She thought it was ridiculous. <clears throat> Do you think that's possible that God might have some plan in your life that, that you would consider ridiculous? Look at verse 11. But God, she's not out of the race, and you're probably not out of the race either. And she changed her mind. She obtained a, a faith of her own. She wasn't just riding on Abraham's coattails. Look at verse 11. That's important. This is part of listening to God. And here's somebody who did make a wrong choice and meant well. Meant well. She's not trying to destroy the planet for salvation. She's trying to re advance it. Meant well. Bad choice. Still happens. By faith, Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age, way past age, because... She judged him faithful who had promised. So she listened to the promise over and over again, I guess. And, you know, it is going to happen. And it happened. And your circumstances might really surprise you. All right, one other, or two others. Turn, please, briefly, would you, to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We notice it as we're considering. Rightly receiving divine instruction, divine discipline. You need to take heed to your spirit. On the race, your spirit is going to be drawn, maybe weary, and then you're going to have to be careful about your choices. And lastly, you're going to have to, we're still living by faith, and you're going to have to take heed to your understanding of what it means to be healed, and it may mean your circumstances change greatly and delightfully like Sarah and Abram. Turn with me now to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Look please at verse number 7. 
Paul speaking, this great apostle, I can't be more surrendered than this man is surrendered. Okay? Unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, a thorn in the flesh was given me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I drew near. I pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in, say it together, weakness. Do you believe that? Do you think it takes depleting to get there and really believe that? You're looking at a depleted guy. You're looking at a guy who's really hurting. And he does the right thing. He draws near and said, I sought the Lord three times about this. And the answer was no. I'm not changing your circumstances, but I'm going to give you more grace. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast of my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and needs and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I'm weak, now I'm strong. And you need to really take heed now. We're Americans. We've had it good in God's providence. There's nothing wrong with that. As long as we understand uh, this isn't a lock. We're not entitled to this. But healing, he's, he, that, you, that's a healed man right there. He made the right choice. He finished well. He's continuing well. He's helping others behind him come along well. And, and he was, he, that's a man with a healed mind. He said, you know, in this situation, he says, apparently, Paul, the cargo you're carrying, <clears throat> this is how we have to do it for you. We just can't afford, you know, that's my, my comment. I want to conclude with one. You don't have to turn to it. I healed my be. Be careful what, what, what in your mind means to be healed. Now, Americans and, 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 and immature believers are easily taken in. And here is, um, I, I, I wanted to look at the three Hebrews. Um, Let's look at that one just real brief. Turn to Daniel chapter 3. I'd just like for you to see it. Because you're, the people on the, the elites in power on the globe and may, increasing numbers in Washington do believe there's way too many people on the planet and they're going to eliminate, if they can, a lot of them. And that's not hyperbole. That's true. So here's Daniel 3. And um, how about this for healthy minds? And that's what he's talking about in Hebrews when he says, let it be healed. He's talking about your mind, your choice maker, your, the thing with which you endure. That's how you do it. That's what you do it with. Your mind, your heart, your immaterial person. That is what's being addressed here. And look at Hebrews, uh, excuse me, Daniel 3 and verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered the king. And the king said, now, you're going to either bow down or you're going to go in the furnace. 
Oh, Nebuchadnezzar. You know, these are a minority. There's very few believers in Babylon that are faithful to the Lord. Try to remember that. You may be someday, and maybe now, be in a great minority. And how about this? Look what comes out of their minds. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. Why not? If that is the case, whether you can force us to be idolaters or punish us with death, that's the case. Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, see, that's a healed mind. And then he's ready, they're ready either way. Be it known unto you, O king, we will not serve your gods, nor will we worship your golden image, which you have set up. Skip down to verse 25. So they're watching them, they get pitched in. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out in the midst of the fire. And look how the end of verse 27 reads. The hair of their head was not singed, nor were their garments affected, and the smell of fire was not unknown. How about that for a divine intervention? I like divine interventions, but I want to conclude with one from church history before we saying, I'd rather have Jesus. It's in your... <clears throat> so this is about a man named, a godly man named Thomas Ridley. One of the reformers in the English Reformation. And he was put to death by burning because of, for believing the doctrine that you folks believe this morning. On the evening before these two martyrs, um, Hugh Latimer and Thomas Ridley, were to mingle their ashes in the same fire, Ridley sat at supper in the room of his keeper. It is told of him that, quote, he was as cheerful as he had ever been. When they arose from the table, his brother offered to stay all night with him, but he said, quote, no, no, that you shall not, for I intend to go to bed and sleep quietly tonight as ever I do. On this, his brother departed, telling him to be of good cheer, to take his cross quietly, for the reward would surely be great. That's a healed mind. And the circumstances didn't change. That's about the picture, shall we? Any tired runners? Anybody stretched? Anyone wearied? Ready to faint? Ready to? You may be exactly where you need to be. Maybe not. You may be probably not perfect in every detail, but it's it's very possible you're exactly where you need to be. <coughs> 
And would you just ask the Lord for grace to receive divine training, divine chastening, divine instruction. So we thank you, Lord God, our Father, for your calling on our lives. And we ask you would help us to listen to you and be strengthened. We ask you would help us and to make right choices that we might even help others make right choices. And we thank you that all these things are in your control. And we ask for, for strength that each one of us will have healed minds. Take heed to our spirit this very day. Take heed to our choice making. In Jesus' name we pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Uh, let's sing, uh, The Healed Mind Would Rather Have Jesus. We have, I'd rather have Jesus. I think that's the, the big choice, isn't it? Uh, that's the big choice. And we get tested on that all, all along. And um, let's, let's sing, I'd rather have Jesus. It's in your hymnal. I forget what.